What's up, Berlin BSers? It's Tuesday, November 6th, and this is episode 70. Today on the show, the Ravens dropped their third straight. What changes are coming in the future? And an update on Terps football. Stay tuned. So let's take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. When excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. What's up, Birdland BSers? Fred, Scott, and James, James Caruzzi, joining us in the studio today. Appreciate you being on the show, brother. Uh, it's my pleasure. I'm yeah. glad to be on. Yeah. Scott is in Florida uh, trying to get on the show. He's been in and out with internet connection issues, so uh, we're going to try to make do. Uh, Scott will kind of pop in as he can, as his internet connection allows. <laughs> He's flow rider. Yeah, man. So uh, this is a... Uh, it's going to be a tough one to get through. This is a, uh, a not has not been a good week in Birdland. Um, got a lot of things to kind of break down, a lot of things to discuss. Um, we'll get into it. Hopefully, uh, Scott will pick up here uh, in a second. But before we get into anything, this week's episode is brought to you by John Sheffenacher of Cummings & Co. Realtors. Are you looking to buy or sell your home? Do you want someone you can trust to go to bat for you? Go see our guy, John Sheffenacher, over at Cummings & Co. Realtors. John's been in the business for four years now and is dedicated to getting you the best deal possible. He's always willing to take your call and be available for you anytime, day or night. For you Birdland fans out there, you may know him as a sunglass guy sitting behind the dugout at Camden Yards. So give John a call today, 443-604-6298. Normally, this is where Scott would chime in with his story about John, but uh, I'll give you a little background. For you guys that have been listening, uh, Scott has used John personally in the past. Uh, actually, John was Scott's realtor when he was looking to buy or, you know, buy his home. John went out of his way in a big way for Scott. I mean, even while he was on vacation, he showed this guy the home that he eventually bought. Um, and man, this guy is all about his clients. He does all kinds of events. He does things like delivering pies during the holidays, like things that... To me, it goes the extra mile. It's something that, you know, not every realtor out there does. Most people, the realtors, you know, the customers are just another statistic to them. John is about you making sure that you have the best experience possible and making sure that all his clients are satisfied. So be sure to give John a call, 443-604-6298. Looks like Scott has joined us back. He's got, like I say, he's got a bad connection, but uh, looks like he's back, so... Just got through the uh, the sponsor it's plug there, uh, Scott, and uh, we're gonna get a little bit into this Ravens debacle uh, against the Steelers. Ravens lose a big one, man. This was uh, this was heartbreaking. Did you get a chance to watch it while you were uh, getting a uh, traveling? Oh, did we lose you again? Lost you again, James. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
before we actually, you know what, before we get into this, James, tell, tell everybody a little bit about you, uh, a little bit about your background as far as, as being a Baltimore sports fan and let everybody know a little bit inside of you. Um, I'm just a, a, I love baseball in general, but I'm an Oriole fan, number one. But I love baseball in general. I've been to a lot of parks on the, you know, the East Coast and Midwest. Uh, I love the Ravens, you know, from good times and bad. Yeah. Right now it's a little bad, but uh, I just love, you know, just sports in general. But, you know, being a local uh, sports guy like yourself, like there's nothing more than your homegrown teams around here so right yeah that's good man that's that's what we're looking for on these shows people that can be realist that can be baltimore sports fans at heart oh i'm a realist right and i know that about <laughs> you i mean james and i've been friends for many years we go back to when we were in our teenage years yeah. uh so know each other for a very long time uh and i know that you're very passionate but yet very real when it comes to your expectations and kind of what you want to see, you know, moving forward with the team. It's not all blinded by orange and purple shades. Nah, you know, we all want to go like 16-0 and win the Super Bowl, but at the end of the day, I see it how it is. If right. we're good, I say we're good. If we're bad, I have no problem just, you know, telling it how it is. Like some people are like, oh, we're going to win. Even if we know we have no chance, I'm a person like, yeah, we have a chance to win, but at the end of the day, if you know, if there's better competition, I'm going to take it. Like, I understand that. Right. So, Well, we definitely appreciate you being on the show this week, especially on such short notice and everything. And uh, looking forward to uh, breaking this game down. It wasn't wasn't pretty. Nah. wasn't a good game. Um, you know, I, I, I was on the fence one way or the other, whether I was going to pick the Ravens, whether I was going to side with the Steelers. I think ultimately why I went with the Ravens in this game was I thought they'd come out a little bit more desperate. I thought we might see a little bit more drive, a little bit more uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? The passion. Pa- <laughs> yeah, passion, um, just a little bit more motivation, knowing that you know you are 4-4 four and four going into this game. It's a division game. You're at home. And this this could make or break your season. You know, there's a lot. There's been a lot of media attention, obviously, given to to John Harbaugh and whatnot, and that the, the importance of this game and and you know for the season moving forward. Uh, this was this was a disappointing loss. Well, to say you know, least. as Joe said, he he was excited about this game. <laughs> yeah, and he said it just like that too. Yeah, very very excited. Scott, did you uh, did you get a chance to watch the game? I know your connection's going in and out, brother. I see you popping in and popping out, but uh, you get a chance to watch the game while you were traveling. Can't hear you, Scott. Might have lost you again, but that's all right. <laughs> so what we'll do is we'll kind of talk about Scott and I um, before he left for vacation. We talked a little bit about what we thought needed to happen in this game in order for the Ravens to really have a chance. Um, obviously pressure on the quarterback has been an issue ever since the big Titans game. So you gotta, when you've got a quarterback like big Ben, you've got to put pressure on him. You got to make him feel uncomfortable because you give him time to go through his progressions and he's going to beat you. Oh yeah. He's going to beat you. So you got to do that. And the, and the Ravens 
weren't able to get to Big Ben, weren't able to disrupt them at all. So that was a it was a big it was it was a big point of emphasis going into this game was getting the pressure and you failed. Yeah. <clears throat> there was no subs, there was no up the middle with, with Williams. Right. He just looked like he can do whatever you want like usual or find a way to get something out of it. Right. Um it it, it was just tough to watch. Yeah, no, it was it, very tough. It looked old and slow out there. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of been the story the past three weeks. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, the other thing that we talked about was time. Yeah, we can hear you, brother. Uh, it's a little broken up, but we can actually hear you now. All right. I'm going to give this a shot. I'm just going to give you my quick opinion, and I'm going to hop off here because this internet connection is uh, not holding at all down here. Uh, but this might be to see actually property here. Yeah, we lost you there, Scott. Yeah, audio was really bad, brother. We're uh, sorry about the uh, the technical difficulties there. It's uh, apparently not a very good connection there. And the connections uh, on vacation. Yeah, connections on vacation as well. <laughs> Wi-Fi took a okay. took a left there. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think Scott was kind of hitting on some things that you know that we were talking about. Uh, for me, kind of one of the big things going into this game also was time of possession. You know, keeping keeping the defense off the off the field as much as you possibly can and the offense extending drives and continuing you know to run clock they weren't able to do that they weren't able to convert enough on third downs um, so that was that was a big thing and I thought as far as an offensive attack that if you were going to attack the, the Steelers defense the way to do it was through the air uh, mm-hmm. their, their corners are pretty pretty lackluster and they're they're pretty suspect um but you still you you can't abandon the run altogether because in the nfl these defenses are too smart when you become one-dimensional it's much easier to stop an offense than if you're you know if you're actually running the ball i mean you've got alex collins who had nine carries this game yeah that and that's a lot for him compared to other weeks right but also uh lamar i think he played a little bit more in this game than any other one right yeah and he did um and that's 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 a whole nother debate uh that we could get into i know scott and i talk about it pretty much every week it's uh something that neither one of us are, are much of a fan of no. um and at harbaugh after this game made some comments about the lamar package it uh kind of perked my ears and kind of made me think I, I could kind of see the direction of this team and what it's going to happen here at the end of the year especially if they continue on this path if they don't turn things around we may see more lamar every week from here on out it may be to the point where he ends up starting before the end of the year well he said he he wanted to put more plays in for uh lamar right he yep. talked about today, he talked but about he wants to run more too so i don't know if he's including him <laughs> right well i think i think the big thing that came out of today's press conference was that he he made the statement that he wants to give lamar an entire series Instead of coming in for third down conversions or the occasional trick play here and there, that he wants to actually give him an entire series, um, which he, which is interesting. I mean, that just goes to speak volumes of of what they think of Flacco's performance so far, uh, because it's not like Lamar's getting out there and lighting the ball, you know, lighting it up when he goes out there. They haven't really seen much from him th- throwing the ball yet. No, I think he's thrown the ball eleven or twelve times total this year. Correct, <clears throat> and. Uh, also, uh, Joe just you know gets a stand on the 
on the side and you know twiddle his thumbs and just be average show out there so right and that's what it is just it's it's an average team you know right there's there's nothing exciting about this team at all yeah no i'm I'm right there with you it's real easy as a ravens fan to try to you know stay positive with this thing and try to look at you know some of the good things that have happened you know i've read a lot of things online and i've listened to a lot of things through you know twitter and whatnot and, and, you know, there's fans out there that want to point out the, you know, the way that the defense started and, and you know, that they're still ranked in the top five as far as defensive statistics. These games that they played and they they put up these these good defensive performance were against crap quarterbacks. Anytime they've gone up against anybody in the top 10 as far as quarterback play, they, they're a totally different defense. They look lost. Yeah, they said uh, what Peterman he throws uh, one in- interception for every thirteen. Yeah, he's passes. like eleven percent, and he's in interception percent. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. But the, but like I said, we we talked about like our defense is up there number one or whatever. But if this defense was playing like five six years ago, it it wouldn't be a number one defense. No, and it, it absolutely wouldn't. This the the game has changed, yep. uh, and. This defense, it's showing its age. Um, you know, you're, the issues with Weddle uh, in coverage, the issues with Mosley in coverage, not that Mosley's more of a an age thing, but Mosley is obviously, he's always had issues with coverage. We talked about that oh, before. Yeah. And, but and it seems Jimmy, magnified. And Jimmy, uh, people think he's a, a top 10 or top 5 corner, but he can't even play 16 games, and he looks great in four games. If I play four games on something, I hope – I'm better than half the people on our team anyways, so <laughs> right. I, I just don't see it. Some people think he's he's like the greatest thing from sliced bread, but right. give me a full year. Right. And he can't. I mean, between injuries and suspensions and everything, it's it's and there's there's another guy that you're overpaying for yeah. uh for the lack of performance that you get. Like you said, you can't keep him on the field for sixteen games. It's 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 bad. But in this game specifically I mean, it, it was a game of poor decision-making, inefficiencies, the time of possession. We talked about that going into the game. 36 minutes to the Ravens' 23. That's huge. Huge. Huge difference. And, I mean, when you've got a team like the Ravens, a defense like the Ravens that has some aging veterans, you can't be out on the field for that long. Like you, You've got to extend plays as an offense – to keep your defense off the field. And then as a defense, you got to be able to stop teams on third down. Like this team was not able to get off the field on third downs. The the Steelers were 10 of 16. And and it's, it's frustrating to me because, you know, being a season ticket holder and kind of, and being, (laughs) being in the upper deck, you get a really good view of how the plays break down. Yeah. And, you could see clear as day on third downs. All they were doing was running quick slants. They were running hitch routes. They were running bumping, bumping rub type coverage where they were, you know, using guys to kind of pick. And oh, the way you defend that is you get up on the line and you jam your, you jam the receivers. You can jam and put your hands on the receivers within the first five yards. And the Ravens just did not do that in this game. And, from watching Ravens versus Steelers over the years, we all see it. They always do the dump pass, right. take three yards. 
another three, another four. It's a, it's a first down. And we're 10 yards back all the time. And there's no pressure. And Ben's not the youngest as he used to be, and we still didn't put any pressure on him at all. Right. Yeah, and I mean, it starts with your leader, Terrell Suggs. I mean, this guy, he hasn't had any pressure in the last four or five games. We talked about this last night when we got together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's as he's gotten older in his years, it seems like he wears down quicker as the season oh, yeah. goes on. I mean, he he comes out of the gates. Firing all cylinders. Firing all cylinders, and you're thinking, there's Terrell Suggs of, you know, of old. And then he gets about eight or nine weeks into a season, and it starts to dwindle down and dwindle down. This year, it just seems that it's it's it started even earlier. I yeah. mean, we were talking like three weeks ago. So what what is this week nine? So that what's that make that week six? And he's already slowing down. He's off the field. He's on the sidelines a lot more than usual. Uh, I mean, I love Terrell Suggs and everything, but at the end of the day, if he's a liability out there, you got to get some of these younger guys involved. Where's the Tyus Bowser's of the of you know that we've drafted? You know, this goes back to. Is Tyus Bowser a bust? Like what? You know, he was a second round draft pick, yeah. I believe. Like, yeah. Wh- yeah. why is he not out on the field? And they've been talking about that throughout the week uh, about him. Right? Is he a bust or what's going on? Like, but I don't think Subs is going to finish the year. Either he's going to get injured because he's he's known for that, and or he he just might be just tired. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's. There's obviously something going on. I don't know if it's a scheme thing. You know, when we <clears throat> we first started the year off and the defense was putting up these ridiculous stats, they didn't give up any touchdowns in the second half for, what, the first five weeks of the yeah. season. You thought, man, like the adjustments that it went from D- Dean P's defense to, you know, Wink Martindale's defense, you thought, wow, you know, Wink really has an effect on this defense. I really think now looking at it is – there wasn't enough tape on a Wink Martindale ran defense. Yeah. Now there is. There's plenty. And now teams are figuring it out. How do you pick this team apart? What kind of offensive line blocking schemes do you use to, you know, to to prevent the rush? And there haven't I haven't seen any halftime adjustments, you know, if if something's not working in the first half defensively, I haven't seen Wink making adjustments like he has in the past or like you thought was going on in the past. It seems like they come out to the second half and they're just as flat as they were in the first. Yeah, and, and another thing is our defense is pretty old. I think it's probably one of the oldest defense out there. But if you look at Mosley, well, it's been in the league, what, three years, four? C.J. Mosley, yeah, he's been in the league uh... – what draft was he in? 2015? No. 14, I think. Okay. So he's been in the league like four so years. So the last couple of weeks, Five years. you're having almost a 40-year-older burn him between uh, Ben Watson yeah. and Greg Olson. Yep. And you have a linebacker that wants to be paid top dollars for his position, and he came and covered – a 40-year-old man. Right. Scott and I have this debate all the time, you know, is CJ Mosley worth that kind of money? And and to me he's not. Or if he's if he's really injured and they're just he's our best option. I don't know. I mean, what we saw in the preseason and what we saw early on in the year out of Kenny Young, 
I thought he complimented C.J. Mosley well in the sense that he gives you that coverage style linebacker. Um, you know, in the in the dime formation, they they like to use Anthony Levine a lot, and and he in the beginning of the season was having a really good year. He was kind of mm-hmm. I kept saying he was kind of the utility knife of the defense. He was you know the unsung hero type thing. It's almost as if they've kind of gotten away from all that stuff because I mean teams are just ripping this team apart over the middle. Oh yeah, and it's, it's every week, man. Between C.J. Mosley and T.J. T.J. Jefferson or uh, yeah, um, Tony Jefferson and Eric Weddle, all three of them hurting in coverage. Like all th- neither ne- neither one of them are good in coverage. Now, to me, our our best guy that's been covered, and, and he's been always been suspects. It's been Carr, right? So, Danny on uh, Danny on YouTube uh, is is asking any idea when Harbaugh could get fired. Uh, we're gonna save that. We're we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. That's definitely a topic we're gonna talk about a little bit later. Um, let's get through the breakdown of this game here. Um, again, not able to make the big stops in the red zone defensively. This team. Steelers was three of four on touchdown attempts inside the red zone. Mm -hmm. That's awful. That's awful. Again, this is a team that prides themselves on that whole bend but don't break defense. Yeah. Well, they broke. They've been broke for three three weeks now. They've been broke. Yeah, absolutely. And then you let a running back like James Conner, who (laughs) who's had you know, granted he's had a really good year. Yeah, really, really good year. Um. But, I mean, he came in and had a huge game. This guy had 24 carries for 107 yards, but he also had seven receptions for 56 yards and the one touchdown. They could not stop this guy. I mean, he was taking four and five yards off at a chunk. And and Weddle couldn't put a shoulder in because he just ran him over right. into the end zone. Like, yeah, like it was nothing. I mean, it's just – it's frustrating. I mean, you you know this defense is capable of more. Yeah. So what is the problem? Is it is it a scheme thing? Is it that Wink isn't making the adjustments that need to be made? It's it's hard to put a finger on. But this game could be even worse because Schuster didn't even really do that much, and he had a couple drop passes. Yeah. No, this game definitely could have been worse. Schuster had one wide open over yeah, the middle of the field engine. that would have been a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had clear sailing after if he would have caught that ball. Um, so, yeah, statistically, it, this could have been a worse game than what it was. Uh, it's just, it's frustrating because you know, like I said, you know what this defense could potentially do. You see it in flashes and it's, it's, it is the NFL. I know that the, 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 the big blowout win on opening day to the bills, it's the bills and everybody's beating the bills with, with large numbers, but it's still an NFL team that you shut down completely. Mm -hmm. You go into Tennessee and you blank Marcus Mariota, you completely shut them out. So it's well, not. Well, I don't think he was healthy 100%. No, and he's not. He hasn't been all year. But, I mean, you saw what they did last night to the Cowboys. Yeah. You know, so even with a banged up Mariota, he's still able to put up points. Correct. You shut him out. At home, too. So. At home in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So you know that this defense is capable of more. But like I said earlier, when you can't get off the field on third downs, that was the most frustrating thing about this game for me was that, you know, they 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 were constantly the Steelers were constantly in these third down and three, third down and four, third down and fives. 
And again, they're just able to bang those short passes over the middle to get their, you know, to get their extra yardage and extend the drives. And the thing that gets me is not just this game, but every time we played the Steelers, and we said it, well, I said it is, it'll be third, third down and five or third down four, and our guys are ten yards off the line. Like, right? They don't need ten yards to get first down. Like, move up. Right. Press, <laughs> press coverage when you know you're on third down and short. Jam those receivers off the line. What does that do? One, it prevents them from being able to run the quick hitch routes. Two, it gives your your front seven more time to get to Roethlisberger because the, the receivers aren't, aren't open yet. It takes yeah. them time to get off the corners and actually get open. It's, it's frustrating when it's simple concept things like that, that that it just seems to be a miss with this team. And I, you know, I wonder if it's because... They don't have the faith on the back end with Weddle and, and Jefferson in coverage that they're afraid that, you know, with the corners pressing up that they're going to get beat. But at the end of the day, if you're giving them that 10-yard cushion, you're going to get beat for first downs anyway. Yeah, but when they give the cushion and they still burn them, that's what gets me too. Right. So at least if that's you press I mean. them, you jam them up a little bit, maybe you can get old-ass subs to, you know, get to the quarterback a little bit, make a bad throw. But you're ten yards off, and you still get burned. It, it doesn't make you look any good either. Right. So no, that's absolutely I, I true. I don't know, but it's like all the time, and B- Big Ben does it to us all the time. He doesn't throw the twenty yard, thirty yards deep ball all the time. It he'll take the three. He'll take a two yard pass because they'll add up. Right. And it's just it's all the time. It's nothing new. Right. It's all the time that the Steelers come and play the Ravens. So this is a stat that kind of jumps out at me. Talking about pressure on the quarterback right mm-hmm. during this three-game losing streak they've had 13 total quarterback hits and two sacks in three total games combined mm-hmm. they've had 13 quarterback hits and two sacks that's since the titans game which in the one titan game <laughs> they had nine quarterback hits and 11 sacks and they were talking about this is are they better than the 2000 yeah, Ravens? Yeah, those like, people. Uh, Crazy. You Crazy. should just stop it right there. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Crazy talk. Crazy talk. It's just, it's it's alarming to me. I mean, they've given up 83 points, including 26th in the fourth quarter alone mm-hmm. during this three-game stretch. They've given up 1,125 total yards, and they've had one turnover. Their number one defense, Fred. They, <laughs> yeah, it, it's frustrating. I mean, that's why, like, you gotta, you kind of gotta take some statistics and some power rankings, mm-hmm. whatever the hell that shit even means anymore. No. You gotta take that stuff with a grain of salt. Do the eye test. I said this earlier on on the year when we were playing some of the lighter, you know, some of the lighter competition. Yes, statistically, this defense is ranked the number one defense in the league. But really, are they the are they the best defense in the league? No, but no. But also, one thing is, um, I think the Ravens were behind fourteen to six at the half. Yeah. Well, just to give you a little um, little stat, <clears throat> Baltimore is fourteen and forty seven under Coach John Harbaugh when losing at the half. Wow. That's 14. just losing. So yeah, it doesn't lose, matter if you're losing lose by at, one or nah, if you're losing by losing 30. Losing at the half, they're 14 and 47 under John Harbaugh. Wow. 
Yeah, so that just tells you that this team just cannot. It's not clutch. No, they're not. You know, they're not. They're not a team that's going to finish strong. Uh, they're a team that if they get behind early, they struggle at coming back, and that's. It's it's part of the totality of why I think Harbaugh is just not the right fit here, and we'll get into that further a little bit later. Yeah. I don't want to you know kind no. of deviate from that, <laughs> but we'll definitely talk about that. Let's talk a little bit about what went wrong offensively in this game. And in all honesty with me, it starts and ends with Joe Flacco in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I've said this before. I'm not a Joe Flacco apologist. I've always been a Joe Flacco fan. Yeah. Uh, I think, like I said, I, he is by no means elite. He is no by, by no means a top, 10 quarterback even in this league but I do believe that he's above average I do believe that he he's he is above average quarterback that can go on a run and win you a Super Bowl a la 2012 now that's a totally different team in 2012 than what we have now well that's why he's getting the money he is and that is exactly why I got them exactly this game was what everybody that hates on Joe Flacco this this was their aha moment. Like this was their, you know, everybody was kind of looking at Flacco's stats this year and saying, "Oh, he's having a career year and he's doing all this and, you know, he's he's finally got weapons and whatnot." You know, but the 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 Flacco naysayers just wait. Just wait. He'll show up. He'll show up. And he showed up in this game. Locking in on receivers. But no bad Not balls, going so. through his progression. <laughs> yeah. Not going through progressions. I think that was like the the biggest telling point of why he did not succeed in this game. And Scott and I have talked about this a couple times this year where I thought he had actually made strides in his ability to read a defense a little bit better early on in the year. It seemed like he was kind of going through his progressions and I think he had more faith because he, he had new toys around him. He had more talent around him than he's had. He's had, he's had some good receivers, but it's always been that one guy with a couple of nobodies around him. Mm -hmm. Now he's got three decent receivers and he's got two rookie tight ends that he's excited about. And it looked like he was having some success. But what he did in this game was exactly what he's done in the past, and that's lock in on one target, and when that target isn't there, he's either scrambling around as two ladies sacked, uh, or he's making a poor decision. Or I don't know if he just slept on the wrong side of the bed and had a stiff neck because it was mostly looking to the left, not to the right. So maybe just had a stiff neck. I don't, I don't know, but he doesn't uh, look at the right field at all. Right. No, he doesn't. I mean, and I I don't know if he if he when we just talked about this maybe he's a little worried about the line since it's, you know yeah and I mean that's obviously not having a, Stanley there it's, exactly that's obviously a factor you go into this and you don't have either one of your starting tackles Stanley is out now your blind side's kind of open Hurst right side Hurst is out and you've got a rookie in Orlando Brown which played a <laughs> very a good game. game hell of a game <laughs> and and I'm hoping that he has kind of cemented himself there at the right tackle position. That That is 
Scott and I have been saying that pretty much all year. Yeah. Like, where is this guy? He he was preseason blowing it up. Right. He. I mean, there was no reason other the, the only thing I'd ever heard, and I've said this a couple times. The only thing I'd had heard was that he was having trouble picking up the playbook and having trouble with some of the schemes and things of that nature. It was a you know difference transitioning from college to the NFL playbook. But I mean, he didn't look like he had any problems with it. There, he didn't give up a single pressure. In this entire game, no, nah, he holds his own with Watts too, right? Yeah, I mean, he, he pancaked on Watts ass. on the one. Yeah. yeah, he put him on his ass. I mean, it's. But going back to Flacco, I I think he's very much, and I talked about this with you last night. I think he's a mental quarterback mm-hmm. in the sense that if he gets something in his head, it affects him. He gets rattled. Yeah, he gets rattled dramatically, and maybe that's what it was. Maybe he didn't have confidence not having Stanley and Hurst out there. And I mean, it was just poor decision after poor decision, bad throw after bad throw. They were there were under throws. There were throws behind receivers. Just I know Flacco hasn't historically been one of the most accurate quarterbacks in you know in in the NFL. He's always around like the fifty eight to kind of sixty percent mark mm-hmm. as far as completion percentage goes. But some of these throws were just. Way off the mark. For instance, the one to Crabtree, you know, in the end zone where he short armed that one, and it, you know, it landed. Yes, Crabtree maybe could have, maybe could come up with it, but he had to dive to yeah. get to the ball. Like we said, he didn't go through any of his progressions. The Lamar Jackson, you know, in the end zone, wide open play is the one that everybody's talking about because it's the the one that was obviously the most glaring. Yeah, but on that play alone. Not only did he have a wide-open Lamar Jackson, but he also had a Willie Sneed yep. going across the middle. And, and But John Harbaugh said that was his fifth option. But I, I don't get how you have a fifth option. <clears throat> Regardless of what the progression is, your progressions are going to lead you from one side of the field to the other. And just your peripheral vision would have seen Lamar Jackson standing over there waving a freaking towel by himself. Yeah. But he didn't even look to that side of the field. Yeah, and I, I, I don't like how people just said like he didn't want to throw it to him to give him the line. Like that, it'd be different if he Lamar threw the ball. But catching the ball that that's all on the quarterback, anyways. Right, the thing. So yeah, he just didn't see it. As much as as much as Flacco doesn't want Lamar to succeed, and I, I you know as much as Flacco wants to be the starting quarterback here. I don't think Flacco's that petty that he's intentionally yeah. not going to throw Lamar the ball if he sees him wide open because he doesn't want Lamar to catch a touchdown. Catching a touchdown doesn't put him any higher on the depth chart as a quarterback. He's a, it's a, it's a, he's lined up as a wide receiver at that point. That doesn't mean anything. At the end of the day, it makes Joe look good because he saw a wide open receiver. He hit him and he got a touchdown and we're playing against the Steelers in a division game. And I just, but he didn't do it. I don't think Joe cares anyways. He, he has his money. He has everything. Yeah, he took, it, he took care of his unibrow, so he, he he's good. He got his hair flowing. I don't think Joe really cares if he's here next year. I really don't. And I don't th- and he's playing like he doesn't care if he's not on the team next year because he. I think he just thinks someone's going to want me anyway. So right. Uh, but he doesn't look like you know he's worried about anything out there. Yeah, I mean it's it's very true. He's he's always kind of been that you know that disconnected kind of personality where he doesn't seem into the games and he doesn't seem 
emotional one way or the other unless it's talking about running into you know sean payton's brother down in uh yeah the buying mattress the mattress store. that was he, that was the most excitement that he had exactly. waiting after the game to say hey i bought a mattress from your brother <laughs> he was actually excited then compared i'm excited to play the Steelers. Like, right no you want to go tell him that you bought a mattress but joe has always been that guy i have always said I like I like the guy. He he can win games, but he's not elite at what he does, and he doesn't care. He and and being a quarterback to me, you need passion. That's yeah. how you get the guys going in, in that huddle. You look at Drew, Drew Brees. You look at Aaron Rodgers. You put a firecracker up their ass, and they fucking play. Right. But Joe doesn't have it, and and these players don't care. Yeah, like, it, it's so blah out there. I'm just tired of watching it. I'm tired of watching him on the sideline. Just like, oh, I can't wait to get off and you know go to McDonald's through the drive through and get my chicken nuggets <laughs> and my Ford F one fifty. All my endorsement deals. That's all he cares about. Like taking care of himself, and that and that's what to me. That's all he cares about. There is yeah. no passion with him at all. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's. It's frustrating, and you know, like I said, I, I've kind of I've been in Joe's corner for a very long time. This is eleven years now. Nothing's changed. No. He's still the same Joe now that he was eleven years ago when we drafted him. No. Maybe his hair looks nicer. I, I tell you what, Fred. I, I, you know, I'm pretty sure you never played like quarterback, but you know, you play flag football or mm-hmm. whatever with your friends. When when someone gets you, you're like, hey, once you block, like. Oh yeah! If I'm Joe Flacco and I get just pancake, a competitor in I, you, yeah. If I get pancake, I'm gonna get up like block somebody. Right? You know, I'm tired of getting my ass ran over. But now he gets up like you know. <laughs> Me and my buddy Gene and, and his wife Nikki, we went to this Urban Axes place downtown uh-huh. this past weekend, throwing axes, and I was getting pissed off because I wasn't hitting the mark as to where I went. I'm throwing, I'm throwing axes and drinking beer, you know, having fun, but I'm getting pissed off because that's the competitor in me. You don't see that from Joe. You never have from Joe. I mean, does that keep him from being a productive quarterback? No, it's it's a personality trait, but as a quarterback in the NFL, it's it. That's a crucial position to be the motivator Amongst amongst men, right? Yeah. Like he is the voice of the huddle. He is the voice of the offense. But he it goes on deaf ears because he just doesn't have that fire behind him. And and there is something to say ab- about what Ray Lewis brought to this to this team and this organization as far as the passion. Like it, we talked about this last night, how he was able to make players around him better than what they were than what they were and in a lot of ways he did that one with his smarts and being able to put people in positions that's that's part of it mm-hmm. but the other part about it is getting into people's ass and holding people accountable elevates their game to another level well when let's say you know someone would give up a touchdown he would go grab that corner and get in his face and be like, yeah. you missed this joe you you don't you don't see it. and i don't know who's Who's uh, better, uh, Joe or um, Andrew Luck? When they get sacked, Andrew <laughs> Luck, like, oh man, that was a good sack. Thank you. You know, like, yeah, you're apologizing, like, or great job, like, right. But Joe, I, I'm done. I'm done with him. I'm I'm done with this uh, head coach John Harbaugh. It, it needs a change. It's stale out there. All right. Well, I mean, let's 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 get into that a little bit then. I mean, obviously, 
we've got the bye week coming up now, and Harbaugh made an announcement today that they're not going to practice during the bye week. Yeah. Interesting. The The reason why he says that because they had to start a week earlier because of the Hall of Fame game. I mean, I get that, but when – But they really – the. The real players that play every Sunday weren't playing that game anyway. So You think Vince Lombardi or any of the old-fashioned or old-time coaches, if your team had just lost three games in a row, they're going to give these guys a week's vacation? No, well, they have feelings nowadays, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, look, I, I'm, I'm right there with you uh, as far as the hardball thing goes. Um, it's been the same – consistent, mediocre play since 2013. When they when he first kind of inherited, and I use mm-hmm. that word inherited, this team back in, you know, 2008, he started off 54 and 26 as a head coach. Mm-hmm. But he inherited that 54 and 26. He inherited the Ray Lewis, the Ed Reed, you know, all Bernard the Powell. players that were there. Yeah, he inherited that team. Mm-hmm. After that Super Bowl in 2012, when he decided to blow up and get rid of the players that weren't his guys and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, since 2013, they're 44 and 45. Yeah. What I mean, that tells you everything that you need to know right there. Well, I don't know if uh, Bashadi's getting this information because I wouldn't have this guy around. No, I, I mean, it's just, I know he's. Bashadi said in his press conference before he, the year he thought about firing him last year. He considered it. Why? What? What are we being hesitant? Is this how he runs his businesses? Like it? He does he just settle for mediocrity? Because it's not like we just all of a sudden woke up and and were a mediocre team, mediocre team. It's been this way since the Super Bowl. Yeah, correct. And who's the guy on, on YouTube that said about John Harbaugh is he going to be fired? Yeah, so Danny, he was asking, his, well, should Harbaugh well, get fired? Well, Danny, the thing is, and Fred and I have talked, is the way that the Ravens are, they run everything to me like a family. So they're not, they're not going to fire him mid-year, which they should. They always wait to the end of the year and say, hey, it was not a good year. We're going to go a different way. They, they're they not a, a team that fires a head coach. And they only had three since they've been around since 1996, right? You right. They've three, had three. Three head coaches. Yeah, they had Ted March, Broda, Brian Billick, and now John Harbaugh. The only coaches. thing that they fire real quick is coordinators. Yeah. And they fire coordinators left and right. That's been yeah, that, that's really been Harbaugh's a scapegoat. And mm-hmm. I think that that's what's kind of bought him time over the years is, uh, it's not me, it's Cam Cameron. Oh, well, it's not me. It's uh oh god, who was the guy that took over for Cameron at, when we won the um, Super Bowl? Um that went to be the Lions head coach. Um I f- I forget his name. Yeah, it's him. It's it's not him. It's it's Mark Tressman. It's not Mark Tressman. Now it's 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 you know, Marty Morningwick. Stop pointing the fingers at everybody else and take some ownership for the decisions that you made when you first got here. The decisions that you made to blow this team up and get rid of all these pieces that weren't your guys, that weren't quote unquote the you know the right like locker politically room correct. politically correct locker room kind of guys, and you 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 know you put your 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 fingerprint on this and and a lot of things that I've heard too is that he's been very 
involved in draft day decisions, which is surprising to yeah. me. I didn't realize until the other day talking to uh, a couple of, of friends of mine and different sources that um, that he's had a lot of influence in the draft room over recent years. Well, maybe that's part of why we're not succeeding in these drafts because I know Ozzy's on his way out. Eric's yeah. kind of taking over. How much has Eric kind of already been involved in the mix? I mean, obviously he's been involved, but how much – who gets the final say on the picks? Was it Ozzy? Was it Eric? How much change is really going to come when Eric takes over? But the whole pass that Ozzy – got for the success he had early on in his career as a GM has faded for me. Oh, yeah. He's, thank you for what you did. You had a hell of a run as a GM, but the game has passed you by. And these draft picks that you've been picking over these past few years have just not panned out. Well, and they always say um, we want to get the best available player, but we passed up on so many good wide receivers the last three, four years. It's it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And then this year, you know, you've got, again, you've got an aging safety in Eric Weddle. You've got another box safety in Tony Jefferson who can't cover. And you've got the pick of the litter in safeties, Derwin James sitting there, and you trade back uh-huh. to get a tight end. Yeah, definitely we love tight ends, and we only use them that much this year. So It's I mean, I, I it's think frustrating. We got, what, we got like four or five tight ends on our roster? Yeah, four. We got, all right, so we got Max Hurst, Williams. Max Williams, we got Boyle, and uh, Andrews. Well, I I never seen a team that had so many tight ends and don't even use them. Right. I it's it's I mean the I will say Andrews has kind of oh he blossomed over. Yeah, he's he's outperformed my expectations so far. I do like what I see in Andrews, and I think he could be a good tight end. We haven't seen enough of 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 Hayden Hurst, your first first round pick, to make any kind of decision on him yet. But you know it's it's. It starts at the top for me. It's it's a trickle-down effect. Bashadi not making the decision to let Harbaugh go years ago, that's a huge problem. I thought last year would have been. Yeah, last year to me was like the final straw. You lose that game to, to, to Cincinnati in the last couple of minutes there, or the last minute, Yeah, and you are not you don't get in the playoffs because of that. That should have been like it. 53 seconds left. That should have been it right then and there, but it wasn't. No. Nah. He gives him another shot. And what are we doing? Here we are. It's the same thing. Four and five. And coming off the bye, we got the Bengals. It's not going to be any <laughs> no. walking apart. No. I mean, you looking at the remaining you know, schedule from here on out. Yeah, I got it right here. But I tell you what. Ha, there's no way this team gets to the playoffs. No, I think even Oakland's going to give us the trouble because that's who the Ravens are. We always struggle against teams that we should be killing them. Right. Yeah, they play down to their competition or it, or it's lack of being prepared. However, you want to chalk that up, it's frustrating, man. It, it, I just I can't see this team now with this loss to the Steelers getting any better through this bye week by giving them a week's vacation after you just had yeah you a asses three game to you, you had three, your asses handed to in three games, and now you're getting a week's vacation to go take on the Bengals who whooped your ass at their house, mm-hmm. who always give you problems here at M and T Bank. Always. 
Well, I, I, I just thought they've been on vacation for three weeks now, so That's I right. thought it would have been plenty. Right, yeah. I feel like they've been gone a little too long already. Might as well give them a coupon at the nail salon or <laughs> masseuse or whatever. It's frustrating, man. It, it's, oh, yeah. You know, I try to hold on to faith. I, I, I'm a diehard <laughs> fan. You know, I know. I, I, I'll, You're out there every Sunday. I'm out there every Sunday. I do this podcast because I love them. Uh, you know, I, it's, I, I, still, I still support my team, but you can't help but be frustrated right now. Even even the most Homer of Homer te- fans right now have to be frustrated. Well, and I have to say, uh, I was at home. I wasn't at the game. But, it, you know, normally you can hear some Steelers in there. But it, I hear a lot of the Ravens. And I looked on the stat. I think the stadium could hold uh, 71,000 and some change. And I think the the capacity was seventy. So it was almost their capacity. So yeah, I mean, there were definitely noticeably more fans there for this game mm-hmm. than there were uh, for the previous games this year, and that's just typical of a Raven Steelers matchup yeah. that happens. There were a decent amount of Steeler fans there. There were a lot of those ugly ass, terrible towels flying around that stadium. Well, that's uh, for you to give to the Ravens to you know wipe their tears away. <laughs> Pretty much, it's just it's frustrating. It's it's. It's the same problems year in and year out with this team. And I, albeit knowing the Ravens and the way that they operate, I do not think that they will make any changes with John Harbaugh midseason. No, they're not they're not that. They're like I said, they're like a family. It uh, doesn't it doesn't benefit them in any way. Even if 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 you're a realist and you, as as much as we're frustrated and as much as most of us probably want to see Harbaugh go. Yeah, who are you gonna put there? Who are you gonna put there? Are you gonna put Marty in charge? That guy can't talk his way out of a wet paper bag. You don't want him being the leader of your football team. Are you going to put Wink in that position? I mean, he could probably do it because he's a player's coach and the players seem to like Wink, Mm -hmm. but he's not the long-term answer. And there's no long-term answer that's out there right now that you could bring in tomorrow and make this team a playoff team tomorrow. No, but... Next guy's got to be an offensive minded coach, and I agree with you there. And we'll, and that's that's kind of where I'm leading to mm-hmm. is that they. I think this is the end. I, at least yeah. I hope. I oh, hope it's, Steve. It's end of an era for for it, Ozzie and for John and Joe and a lot of these players are going to be gone at the end of the year. Yeah, but, I, I, I'm hoping. But you know what the worst is, and I'm I'm glad I'm sitting on the couch on Sunday because I can't stand. Especially being up top, supposed to be winning at these games at home, and when you lose, you have to walk down and hear these Steelers fans. Oh, I know. And it's just like you're in our house and you're running your mouth. It's like that, and I'm already fired up. Like, right? I I just can't stand that. I'm, that's one of the things that I hate going to games, and that one or two fans got to run their mouth. Like, yeah. That's that's kind of typical, especially of Steeler fans. Oh, yeah. Steeler fans, they'll, they'll let you have it. That's part of the rivalry, I think, that just kind of comes with the games and the the arrogance of their fans and that kind of thing. Actually, one of the worst games that I've ever gone to uh, a few years or was it? No, it was last year uh, when we played against the Raiders. Man, we were around a rowdy, drunk group of Raider fans, and these guys let us have it. I mean, let the entire <laughs> section have it once we uh, once we lost that game last year. So, it's uh, it's kind of typical of certain fan bases the way that they react to that kind of stuff. 
Um, it it was a hard walk back to the car. Yeah, because you should be winning these games. Yeah, you absolutely should, Scott. I see you. uh, You kind of joined us back here on the show. I don't know if you've been listening in. You got any comments here before we transition away from the the Steelers game? Look, we we couldn't really hear much of your audio from earlier, so I, I really don't know a whole lot of what you said. It was really really choppy. That's all right. I, I, can you hear me clean now at least? Yeah, yeah. we can hear you good. Well, yeah, bunker. There you go. Uh, I went the extra mile here. I, I for, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually in our minivan that we rented. <laughs> oh, nice. Because uh, everybody is asleep in our in our piece. So I'm sitting in the back. You're catching the lighting out of the uh, the lights from the minivan. Uh, but no, I actually I just ran to Walmart. I haven't been able to watch what you guys are doing. I just ran to Walmart and grabbed a connector because it was a connector that my dumb butt forgot at home. Uh, so I grabbed the connector to be able to do it on my phone because I knew I could get a stronger signal out of the phone uh, <laughs> to be able to get on with you guys. Um, so, I mean, long story short of what I was saying earlier before it kind of cut out, uh, you guys probably hit on a lot of it. Um, the big things for me, we said this; these were two must-win games. Uh, they had to win in against the Steelers. They had to get a win against, against Cincy again. Uh, and you've already lost and failed on that front because you, you lost one of two. Uh, division, division-wise, it puts it somewhat out of contention for the Ravens. As bad as this division has been, it still puts it somewhat out of contention. Um, so I think the big thing for me is Harbaugh's on the hot seat. As much as people are, you know, probably going to disagree with me, if you disagree that Harbaugh's not on the hot seat, you don't understand what has been happening with the Ravens uh, over the past several years. Uh, it is not just a one-time thing. This has been a problem. His play calling, uh, you know, no matter what everybody says with between Wink and uh, uh, Jesus, why am I? Morningwig. Marty Morningwig. Uh, they have to run the play calls between John's ears. John can change him if he wants. Uh, so all of it needs to be adjusted. And the other thing I was kind of saying, I think you probably didn't hear much of, uh, and I don't know whether you guys covered it fully or not, was the C.J. Mosley situation, Fred, that you and I <laughs> have continuously harped on. It happened again. It's At what point are you going to put Kenny Young back in coverage and put C.J. Mosley up on the line and spy the quarterback? Like, at what point are you going to do that? Yeah. It's not happening. It continues not to happen. It continues to be a problem. Yeah, you basically gave us a uh, a Cliff Notes version of everything that we had just talked about for like the last thirty minutes. I mean, it, you're you're right on the same page with everything that uh, that we're saying. Um, I guess the the big topic and that we're that we're debating right now is the Harbaugh situation. It's the front office situation. It's it's the Bashadi situation. It's it's everything that kind of starts from the top down. Like I, like I said a couple of minutes ago, and I'll catch you up real quick. Bashadi not pulling the trigger to get rid of Harbaugh earlier has been an issue. The draft situation has been an issue, whether you want to put that on Ozzy, whether you want to put that on Eric, whether you want to put that on both of them, whether you want to put that on Harbaugh because Harbaugh has some influence in the draft room. It starts with all that. When you fail at the draft, what that does is that makes you have to go out and spend money on free agents where you missed in the draft which puts you tighter against the cap. And then the Ravens have a problem with overspending on players, which makes you even tighter against the cap. And it, it, it creates, it's, it's a snowball effect. 
And that's the problem is it's it's been from the top down, this trickle down effect, and it's led to a mediocre product on the field day in and day out. It's a JV. It's yeah. a JV football team. Yep. You're absolutely right. It, it continues. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with that. It's absolutely a JV football team. It continues to be a, a team. Look, do they have their moments? Absolutely. There are some great plays that we've seen, but the past two weeks especially – we have seen the playbook get written on how to beat the Ravens' number one defense that was number one just three weeks ago. And we've seen the playbook written, and we've seen it executed. That's the big thing. And Cincy, they did it once. If you don't think they're going to do it again, Wink has to step up and make a change. Because if he doesn't and he gets run over, in my opinion, it starts to become not just John that's on the hot seat. It's Wink. We're back to the same old defense getting burned all the time. So it's just going to depend on, on what happens. Since he's going to play a, a huge role in how quickly everything goes down, not if at this point, it is going to play a role in how quickly it goes down. Remember, this stuff is making national headlines uh, and national media on Harbaugh being on the hot seat. And I know that there's people out there that, that disagree uh, Fred, you and I know a few people that absolutely disagree and are getting on Ravens fans that are doing that. But I, I completely think that if you don't think that Harbaugh's on the hot seat, you do not understand the details of this team and what's been happening. Well, well, well Scott, uh, that's all I, I got to say on that. <laughs> what I want to say about Mosley, I told we talked about it. The Ravens with Mosley got burned by almost two forty year old forty year old men. To a younger guy, you got burned by uh, uh, Ben Watson, and you got Ben. Uh, you got burned by uh, Greg Olson. Come on, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. You can't be getting burned by those guys. I 100% agree. That's a great point, James. You can't. Ha- you can't be getting burned by. I mean, granted, they are they are veterans that are very crafty. There, there's a reason that they're still in this league, um, but they're it, they're not in the league for their speed at this point. Uh, they're in the league for their toughness. They're in the league for the fact that they can, you know, get dirty. Um, but you shouldn't be. I agree with you 100. percent You shouldn't be getting out, beat out by uh, 35 and 40 year olds. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's before before we lose your connection, Scott, because I, I want your I want your take on the next topic. Uh, we're going to skip over some stuff and go straight into some Terps football. Uh, I'm going to do a quick recap. So Terps. Lose at home to Michigan State, twenty-four to three. Big loss. I mean, this was a game that they weren't expected to win by any by any stretch of the imagination. But you looked at the remaining portion of the schedule. They need that one extra win to get the six and become bowl eligible. And you thought if they're going to pull a win off, you're at home against an unranked Michigan State team who has some question marks at quarterback. Uh, but unfortunately, they weren't able to. They weren't able to pull this one off. Um, there was a lot of things that went wrong in this game. Obviously, weather played an effect in this game with the wind being as 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 <laughs> as crazy as it was. Uh, neither team was able to get anything going through the air, um, and which you know Maryland is already kind of a one dimensional team, and you take that completely out of the picture with the passing game, and it's real easy to stack the box and stop this team. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you know, I'm going to I'm going to bounce off the the Ravens conversation here that we've had. You know, one of the things that that is lacked 
and this is not just the Terps, uh, but one of the things that I feel really lacks in college is your tight end play. Uh, the across the middle, you know, there's not a lot of teams that can do it. Ohio State is one of the biggest teams that can do it with some of their tight ends. Um, you know, their wide receivers aren't afraid to come across the middle either with the short five-yard passes. In college, it's either you you run a flea flicker, you're running the ball, or you're throwing it deep. Or option. You know, that's, that's college football. It has always been college football. What's that? Or the option. Or the option, yeah, absolutely. But it's it's not very dynamic. There's you can as soon as you see the lineup on the play and how the guys are are lined up the line of scrimmage, you can pretty well take a guess nine times out of ten be right of what the play is going to be or at least pretty damn close. Um, So for me, that's one thing that has lacked. And a game like this, that's one thing that you need is you can't have uh, you know your your running backs be so predictable. Because you can't throw the ball. And like you said, weather did play a big role. I didn't get the chance to actually watch it. I was actually uh, able to catch some highlights uh, once we landed because uh, I was actually flying on Saturday. Um, <laughs> but when I did see it, I, I saw a lot of the, the highlights showing a lot of the same thing. Obviously, couldn't you couldn't go deep with the ball because the, the wind was playing a huge factor. But the running game was just so predictable. They weren't able to move the ball as well as they have in the past. And that just shows you that when you take away one portion of a game uh, for both teams, in a sense, um, while Michigan did get a little bit more going on offense, it was still a big, a big effort um, that just got stopped by Michigan's defense continuously. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going into this game, obviously, there's a lot of turmoil and a lot of things going on at the University of Maryland. A lot of a lot of changes, a lot of emotional things for the team to have to deal with. So there was the battle of trying to be mentally strong going into this game. Um, you know, you've you've put a pretty decent season together considering all the things that you've had to deal with at five and three going into this game. Um, then you've got the weather factor going into this, like we said, that made them kind of one dimensional. Uh, but there were situations in this game with turnovers that could have change the outcome of this game i mean byron coward uh he had the huge interception return with 11 minutes to go and then fumbles the ball at the goal line and it's recovered in the end zone by by michigan state the very next play hayward runs the ball for 80 yards and scores a touchdown it's crazy that's a 14 point swing right there uh that obviously affected the outcome big time in this game changes you know if, if maryland scores there the momentum shifts yeah. to their side there, you know, then, and maybe they can pull this out with 11, you know, 11 minutes left to go in the game, but unfortunately they weren't able to. Yeah, no, it continues to be a problem, you know, when you, when you take away one portion of a game. Uh, but I think w- with turnovers, it's also that that's the game of college football. Uh, I hate to say it that way, but I mean it's the truth. That's the game of college football. Turnovers play a huge role. These are these are still guys that are you know half of them have still have high school mentality. Uh, you know they're still playing like their their high school coach would, and it takes time to get them to understand you know what's what it's going to take to win in college and then eventually win in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Did you get a chance to watch this game at all, no. uh, James? No. no. Oh, I knew what the outcome was going to be, and 
I, I didn't want to see anything about <clears throat> about the students and all the stuff that's been going on with the, the head coach. So yeah, and that's that's kind of what I wanted to get your guys' opinion on. So we'll we'll, we'll kind of move on really quickly. So this week coming up is there really mistake, Fred? I'm going to go off on this. <laughs> this week really is their last realistic shot at becoming bowl eligible. Uh, it's a, they got a toss-up game against Indiana. They are on the road in Indiana. Indiana's favored by two and a half. The Hoosiers actually have a pretty well-balanced offense. You know, they're they they've got a good passing game. They've got a decent running game. Uh, defensively, the Terps play the pass well, so they're going to have to step up against the run in this game. Uh, and and again, offensively, they got to get away from being so one dimensional. Kasim Hill's got to get more involved in the game, uh, and you got to see you got to see the offense making some plays through the air versus just on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hundred percent. I I couldn't say it better, Fred. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so uh, the one thing I will tell you, though, uh, real quick, is when it comes to Maryland, I want to get your guys' quick opinion on this. Whole situation after our last show uh, was the announcement was made that DJ Durkin was going to come back uh, per request of the Board of Regents. Wallace Lowe, you know, made the announcement and also announced his retirement. Less than, I guess it was technically less than 36 hours later, Durkin's fired. Yep. How stupid do you have to be to recognize that move made you look worse as a college? Because now you're saying, oh, well, we made a decision and we're going to stick with it. Oh, but everybody doesn't like that decision? Okay, let's change it. Let's change it. Let's do it to what everybody wants. You know, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's I've had conversations. I have multiple people that I work with that graduated uh, at different levels. You know, I have people that I, that work for me that graduated uh, just last year and the year before. Uh, I've got two of my bosses that graduated ten and twelve years ago, um, and so for for all of them, they hate this. You know, it, it's it's such a big thing. Uh, and I think it, you can't. We can't not talk about it real quick because it was so huge that it made national media. They're getting questioned. I don't know if either of you heard Tim Tebow ran, ran about oh, it. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, you know he didn't agree with the decision, uh-huh. but he basically just said that same thing. He went off and was saying that you know, look, you look worse now because you you made your decision and then you realize that everybody didn't you like your decision so you said okay we're going to change it cuz everybody d- doesn't like it so you just you look 10 times worse uh you know and I don't some people are putting this on Wallace Lowe I know he's the president but he does have to answer to the board of regents it's the board of regents fault they never should have said that their recommendation was to keep Durkin in the first place knowing that that was going to be the kickback from the students, from the media, from everybody, saying, look what happened. A guy died on this guy's watch. You need to do something about it. And it just it's crazy that it had to get to that point, but I figure we at least have to talk about it real quick, you know, and get get each of your guys' opinion on it uh, and how you feel they that got handled, you know, right after our last show, them turning around and changing the decision back. Yeah, I mean, that was going to be the next thing that I brought up, obviously, but it, uh, 
Here, here's my kind of take on it. Uh, I agree with 90% of everything that you said, um, and I'm right on the same part. I mean, kind of the the whole progression of things was handled terribly. Um, and it starts, like you said, with the Board of Regents. But the president, Dr. Lowe, ultimately had the decision whether he reinstates Durkin or not. Yes, the regents made the recommendation, but it's not the regents ultimate decision yes or no. So, for low to it's not like he got the recommendation and then ran to the microphone and was like, "Yeah, Durkin's our guy and we're going to back him and all that." He had time to sit back and really think about what was in the right interest of this university. What was in the best interest for the current players? What's in the best interest for the the future growth of this program? And what's in the best interest of, let's face it, the deceased parents? Right. <clears throat> like, there's so many things. There's so many different aspects that, that this affects. And how could he have thought that the right decision Without, without, before the backlash from the alumni, before the backlash from the former players, current players, the politicians, all that stuff, how could he have thought that this was going to go over well with anybody? Correct. With anybody. I, it just, it doesn't make any his, sense to me. You don't think that his retirement, though, had something? You don't think his retirement had something to do with that? You know, the fact that the guy, the guy makes this, this announcement, which I feel, I mean... From from the people that I talked to that, that have went to Maryland, and two of them have actually talked to Wallace Lowe uh, when they were in school and had conversations, legitimate, you know, not just shooting shooting the shit, uh, you know, legitimate conversations about things on campus, about different things, and they said that the decision didn't seem to be coming from him, and to announce your retirement, you, know, I, I feel, I maybe it's me being conspiracy theorist here. But I think it plays a role that you have to say, well, wait a second, his retirement announcement has to have something to do with this. Yes, is this the case? But is it he's doing this because it was if you don't reinstate Durkin, we expect your immediate resignation. And he said, I'll reinstate Durkin, but I'm not staying around for next year. That's what I look at it. That's the way that I read it. And I feel like that's the way a lot of the media read it. Look, I, I, I agree with you. It's it definitely is not the greatest scenario. I think he, he did have time to do it and it is ultimately his decision, but you know, he's also gotta look out for his family and everything. Obviously he can probably turn around and go somewhere else uh pretty easily. He's a smart guy, knows what the heck he's doing. Um but at the same time, I I just think you have to you have to recognize there's that small, minute role that we can't forget about, and that's that he did announce his retirement immediately at the same pre- same press conference you're telling me those two things aren't related I, well, I just don't i just don't see it well if i get that he was gonna retire but he said he's gonna retire after the year i think if you really want to set a message you would have retired after that press conference but i just don't get how maryland got this wrong like right from the year from penn state and then even with the stuff going on with Michigan State, I don't even know how Michigan State still has a coach for basketball and football there uh, with all this stuff going on. But the thing that gets me is how does Maryland get this wrong? It, and I, I have heard that uh, apparently Maryland's broke. 
I'm not talking about wait, they're, they're going to lock up doors and all that, but from paying out the the old head coach and some other other things that mainly is broken. I thought maybe a we can, you know, let you know sweep under the rug and 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 just give him the job. But they had all the opportunity to fire him and maybe not you know pay him his full contract. But by telling him you're reinstated, you have your job now, you got to pay them. But then the the talk was with his father saying uh talk about another lawsuit then they're like well we 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 messed up we'll just fire him and it just you just make yourself look like an idiot and i i just love maryland like when they're in the acc ever since they went to the big 10 i think has ruined uh maryland period so that that's my take they they, they got it wrong and that's just my opinion on it. Well, the one thing that I'll say with that, too, and I, I agree with, with, with a lot of what you said there, James, um, there's, there's a problem with the way this entire situation was handled just from a simplistic standpoint. If you just think simply, right – you're going to have to pay this guy's contract out one way or the other, whether that's if you bring him back or whether you can him. You're going to have to pay his money regardless. Unless he was found that it was part of it. Right. Well, okay, that might be one way out of it. Yeah. Right. Okay. But at the end of the day, the whole broke thing versus not being broke thing, you're going to have to pay that contract, worst case scenario, if you keep him or if you get out of it, if you can him. Right. Yeah. Worst case scenario, you're going to have right. to pay the contract regardless. Matt Canada has done a hell of a job stepping in and taking over in this a terrible broken. situation and a broken, broken atmosphere, broken situation. He's done a really good job and he's kept the competitive team to get five wins out of it. To get five wins out of them, dealing with all the you know the controversy and everything else. Beyond that, take it a step further. How do you? How can you expect the players? the friends, the brothers of the of the fallen player, Jordan McNair, mm-hmm. to accept Durkin back into that locker room when when you look at the big picture of what happened there, regardless if he was the the trainer or not, mm-hmm. he oversees that. These kids aren't idiots. They know that he had a part in this. How can you ever think that that locker room is going to be Open arms to welcoming Durkin back in to a situation where you just you just cost one of their brothers their life. I honestly think Durkin probably thought he wasn't going to be the head coach at all. You know, he was just collecting his paycheck. But when he got announced that he has job, I, I bet he was just shocked. <laughs> I mean, he had to have been. As much as everybody else was shocked, I can't imagine that he was thinking the entire time that he was going to keep his job. There's no way. I, I don't. Scott, I mean, what do, you, what do you got to say? No, there's no way he, he thought. He, there's no way he thought he had his job back. He had a die, guy die on his watch. Right. Uh, that's, that is the undisputable, irrefutable fact of this whole situation. A guy died on his watch. Now there's there's this back and forth stuff you and I talked about of oh well who did who did the athletic guys report to? Da, da, da. He's your football player. 
Right. You are the one that is responsible for him. You know, Fred, you, you said it last week. You walked into his parents' home and told him, told his parents, I will take care of your son. And you didn't. So you didn't think you had your job. If you thought you had your job, you were delusional. <laughs> because any other coach in any other city, he would have been fired immediately. It wouldn't have been a question. It would have been, sorry, dude, a guy died on your watch. Whether you were directly responsible or not, you oversaw that practice, and it ultimately comes down to you. So he definitely had to have thought that he was fired. Uh, you know, I thought James brought up a really great point with the Big Ten. You know, since we moved to the Big Ten, and the Big Ten in general is in kind of, I don't want to say shambles, but there's a lot of stuff going on in the Big Ten that's becoming a problem. Um, you know, I think overall, as what I've said before about the NCAA, NCAA needs to be regulated a little bit more than what they are hmm. because they're supposed to be their own self-regulation. Where was the NCAA in all of this with with Durkin, with the whole uh, Jordan McNair situation, you know, everything? Where was the NCAA? My thoughts are, again, conspiracy theorists, what have you heard about a federal investigation? You haven't heard anything right. about who's involved. Now, maybe there was, but at the same time, what's the NCAA's job? Keeping the feds out of it. That's what their job is. They're saying we're handling this internally. There was no one directly responsible. Here's all the information that we've gathered. Here you go. That's what they did. And again, it's probably me being conspiracy guy uh, (laughs) and saying this is what's happening. But I I just feel that there's there's so much going on uh, to to not at least acknowledge that there's some weird stuff that's been happening in in all of these different towns, especially in Maryland with a death. Fred, you could probably call recall the player. You guys can probably see some of the fireworks going off in the background here. Um, but as far as this goes, there was a player uh, that was a lineman for Maryland that posted on Twitter uh, this past week during basically blasting uh, the Board of Regents and Wallace Lowe mm. for the original decision. And it goes right into what you said, Fred, about these guys are not – you thought they were going to accept him back, especially your linemen. There was no way senior or freshman, sophomore or junior, that any one of those linemen was going to accept Durkin back as their head coach. And the proof was in the pudding when they met with the team saying that this was the decision that was being made. As we said last week, half of the team, and I confirmed this week it was over half. There were only about 10 or 12 guys left in the locker room from what I've been told, and that has created more issues within the locker room. Uh, so supposedly there's also have, have been fights since then uh, about guys who were big Durkin guys, apparently. They loved him. They thought he was great. They didn't think he was at fault. Uh, but it has created such an issue that he needed to go. Because even if you bring him back, even if he is that head coach, if if most of your team has no respect for this guy, it's going to create even more division and more frustration. And then you're going to see a team that's come out with five wins not touch a win for at least another year. Yeah, so and it's going to be tough to see. And it, it completely, I mean, like like we said last week, and like I said to you last night, you know, you bring Durkin back in, and how can you expect? <laughs> to recruit players 
and go in, like we said, go into somebody's house and say, you know, I've got the best interest for your kid in mind. And yet, you know, we can point to this situation and just show how careless, uh, you know, the, the university and Durkin and his regime was in the entire situation. So this was just a piss poor decision from the get go. The whole entire thing, I, I you know, the, the fact that they did this entire like suspension and he was put on hold to to make the decision. It should have been right then and there. He should have been let go. Oh, it yeah. should it should it should have never had to gone through this entire investigation yeah. process. Like, regardless of the the culture of what was going on and, and you know everything outside of it, just the this one incident in itself. The the blatant disregard for care for a, a an athlete should have been enough to get this guy fired. Correct. And I think the only way that Durkin could have stayed if he was the head coach during Maryland being in the ACC because the basketball team would, took that pressure off because <laughs> you wouldn't need that much recruiting for football in, in the ACC. But being a Big Ten, trying to compete with – Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, um, Iowa, trying to get recruits. It's not going to happen, him being the head coach, because now you're in the Big Ten. You're trying to push the football. But the only way that he could say maybe if this happened maybe 20 years ago and being in the ACC, because back then it was all about Maryland basketball. But now it's Big Ten, big money, big football. That's it. Yeah, so. and that's that's ultimately that's all the NCAA is about. It's their bottom dollar. Change. I mean, that's that's <laughs> sadly that's that's what it is. It's yeah. always about money it's for money. the NCAA, and that's a whole another topic. That's something that we could talk about for hours uh, about the <laughs> money and the corruptness of the NCAA, and that's something that we'll probably it's, it's break the mafia. down in a future episode. Oh that's yeah, what it, it is. absolutely is. College it's, college sports is just the mafia of. Of of the era now, so yeah, absolutely. Well, Scott, look before we uh, before we let you go, anything you got left to say before uh, before we sign off? Sorry for all the uh, technical <laughs> issues. Uh, if oh, I would have no uh, had my connector, it would have been a, wouldn't have been a problem. I the the the, the uh, connection here at the, the place that I'm staying at on Wi-Fi just isn't that great. Uh, so, like I said, I'm doing this from the phone. I appreciate all the listeners out there sticking with us through this. James, huge thank you for you uh, being in studio. I know you've been in the studio. What do you think now? I got to get your thoughts. What do you think? How, how did you think your uh, your first time on the show went? Uh, I think you know pretty well, but you know you're on Flow Rider, so you're on vacation time, so you know <laughs> you forget some things. <laughs> Yeah, I'm allowed to forget one or two things here and there. Correct. <laughs> Sorry. You had Mickey yeah, Mouse on your mind. Thank you, guys. Uh, huge thank you to everybody. I did. I did. We actually went, we were at Disney today. So my I was wearing my Birdland BS gear. I'm, I sent Fred a picture. Uh, <laughs> I'll, we'll be posting it on, uh, on social media later. And actually, uh, tomorrow, or not tomorrow, uh, but Wednesday, we're going to be at Magic Kingdom and get this unprompted, didn't even need to do it. My wife packed her Birdland BS shirt for us going to <laughs> Magic Kingdom. Nice. Uh, so we're going to get a family picture with two Birdland BS shirts in it. With Mickey Mouse. Uh, so in that, it. That'll be with posted. Mickey Mouse. We'll you that, need Mickey we'll Mouse in there. it. Uh, as, I'm going to try. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I got one with Mickey Mickey and Minnie today, and I got one with Goofy today. Uh, we're going to try and get one with all of us. Obviously, I don't have a, a little one uh, or a little shirt for Wyatt, uh, my son, but uh, we're going to try and get it uh, get it on there with a bunch of different characters. So we'll have, we'll have it out there. Uh, we'll get it up later this week uh, for you guys. So huge thank you. Uh, sorry again for the technical technical difficulties, but uh, great show, guys. Appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you uh, signing in, man. Enjoy your vacation, and uh, I'll be talking to you soon here, brother. All right. So, all right, we didn't get into our weekly predictions here, so let's let's get back and uh, do our primetime predictions. Uh, obviously, last week was kind of mixed bag results for, for the three of us. Um, all three of us had, you know, a, a rough kind of week. Scott and I went with the Ravens. Ryan was the only ones that was, that was leaning on the Steelers here. So Ryan gets the win in, on the Raven Steelers game Thursday night football. The Raiders at 49ers got to see uh, a new quarterback, uh, take over the helm there in, in San Fran and, uh, Mullins and man, that kid lit it up. He did, and especially his last name being Mullins. You would think he would have a Mullen. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that kid lit it up. Raiders are an absolute mess. A horrible, um, man. Yeah. But, Ryan, I don't know why he took the Raiders on this. As smart as he was with the Steelers pick, he was uh, not smart here by taking the Raiders. Uh, so that one goes to Scott and I there. Sunday night was, uh, I guess, the most anticipated primetime game of the week. You know, with the Packers at three, three and one going in to take on the six and two Patriots. Um, I was the only one here on the Patriots. I had the Patriots thirty to twenty seven. Scott and Ryan were on the Packers side there uh, after the Packers had had you know a good stretch run there for you know a few weeks. Uh, but Patriots pulled that one out thirty one to seventeen. Monday night football last night. <laughs> debacle that it was with the titans at the cowboys cowboys Cow- looked good at yeah first. cowboys came out of the gate strong looking like they were gonna you know take this game over but then a couple of costly turnovers, turnovers and the missed field goal and then just completely shutting down in the second half cowboys end up losing this game 28 to 14 to the titans all three of us were on the cowboys on this one uh so none of us got the win there this week, obviously, the Ravens have a bye, so we don't have any predictions going into that. Thursday night football, we've got the 6-2 and two Panthers going into Heinz Field to take on the Steelers, who are 5-2-1, and one, riding a, a – both of these teams are hot right it's gonna now. It's going to be a good game compared to last week. Absolutely, it's going to be a good game. James, how do you see this one shaking out? I have uh, the Panthers winning 27-17. I, I just think that the Panthers – it's gonna to be tough that division down there yeah. between Atlanta, well, New the Orleans. Saints, and, and uh, Carolina. You know they're all looking good. It's maybe two's gonna come out of there. Yeah, could be two, possibly even three. You or, know, as far as or, wild cards, you know what could happen is one of these teams are not gonna make it, or maybe all three of them should make it. But a team that's you know eight and eight record getting in because of a division that. Yeah, that could happen too, and that's we'll see. Because the the um, let's see, yeah. Now I don't know if there's really that many teams that are the because you've got the Rams running away with the West. You've got 
I guess the central would well, be not, the I'm, one. I'm, I'm just talking in general. Like, if you have like a team, even the AFC, that gets in there with an eight and eight record. Oh yeah, yeah. You Overall, have you right. have a ten and six or a, a, a twelve and four and that doesn't get in and don't get in. Yeah, maybe. I feel like the playoff system in the NFL it's it's way behind the times as far as the structure of that. I think that's something that needs to be restructured. Well, they're Scott, not even like yeah, because you're not really in the real conference anyways, right? <laughs> Right, conference doesn't really even mean anything anymore. No, nah, it's just a name. Right. <laughs> uh, I've got the Steelers actually winning this 28-24 to in a very close game. I think this will come down to whoever has the ball last in this game. Um, I like Big Ben at home. Uh, I think what North Turner's done down there in Carolina for that offense has really turned the tide for Cam Newton and his career, and uh, we're starting to see – Christian McCaffrey getting more and more involved in the offense. DJ Moore, too. Yeah, and DJ Moore, you know, out of University of Maryland, that you're starting to see Cam utilize his weapons more and more, and that offense is starting to really, really click. And he still has his legs. Yeah. Yeah. Scott's got Panthers winning this game 32 to 28. Sunday night football's got those Cowboys again going into Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. Eagles starting to maybe figure some things out there. That's a team that struggled out of the gates that everybody kind of expected to do well after winning the Super Bowl. Uh, They got the new weapon in Golden Tate. I kind of expected them to make a move, but I thought it would have been more from a running back perspective. Thought maybe LaShawn McCoy might end up there. Well, they're not like the Ravens. They're not going to overpay for a guy. Yeah, I guess that's true. But they did. They went after their guy in Golden Tate, and they got him. And I think it's a good complimentary piece. Oh, yeah. He's a he's still a hell of a productive receiver at thirty years old. And he's and got good hands. Too. Got really, really reliable hands. Very good clutch receiver. Uh, I do have the Eagles winning this in a runaway. I've got them winning thirty to seventeen. How do you see this playing out? I have uh, the Eagles runaway uh, thirty to thirteen. Okay, all right. So you're right there with us. Yeah. Ryan also has this twenty-seven to seventeen. Scott, I don't know what the hell. I don't know if you. <laughs> Wrote Cowboys by mistake. I don't know what's going on there. But he, you got the Cowboys. He, he's on vacation, but it, I <laughs> I swear if he would caught the game last night, I think he would be changing this. Yeah, I guess. But <laughs> I'm going with it because that's what he sent me. He got the Cowboys winning 24 to 17. Monday Night Football, and uh, I can't believe this game wasn't pushed out or changed or something. But you got the one and seven Giants. Scott's second favorite team yeah. <laughs> going into San Francisco to take on the San Francisco 49ers at two and seven. This, this game would have been totally unappealing had it not been for this new rookie quarterback coming in and Mullins. Well, it was kind of exciting to watch him last week. So I'm a little excited think, to watch it. Well, I, I think if it wasn't for like the weapons that giants have, I think it'd be pretty close with the Raiders yeah. game. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I've got the 49ers winning this. I, I think it'll be close. I mean, I, I can't I can't say that the Giants aren't going to score any points because Eli's awful because they do have Saquon Barkley, and we've talked about him in the past. Like I, I believe that Saquon Barkley is one of the best backs in this game, and if you put a line around him, he would prove that. Um, so I, I think they'll keep this close, but I do see the 49ers winning 23-20. to 20. How do you got this one? I have the 49ers winning uh... 24-17. All right. Yeah, it looks like we're all on the same page here as Ryan's got the 49ers winning 24-20. to uh, One point different from mine. And Scott also has the 49ers winning 30-17. to All right, man. That's, uh, that's pretty much a wrap on this week's episode. Again, pretty, pretty uh, 
apologize for the technical difficulties with Scott out there in Florida, but uh, we'll try to work that out a little bit better for next week. Um, appreciate each and every one of you guys tuning in as always. Sorry for all the uh, Facebook comments and whatnot out there. I wasn't able to keep up on it this week. I got a lot I'm trying to run here. If my brain was a little scattered, I apologize for that. Be sure to check us out on the web at birdlandbs.com where you can check out all of our episodes and learn a little bit about Scott and I and Ryan. Get some Birdland BS gear to help support us and help show your pride and how much you love the show. Uh, also, check us out on birdlandsports.com. It's a website full of a bunch of different shows like ours and a bunch of different bloggers, some of the best in the Baltimore area. So if you're looking for more content, good site to check out. Be sure to follow us on social media. Check us out on Twitter, at BirdlandBS. You can follow me, at FredBLBS. You can follow Scott, at ScottBLBS. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Everything is BirdlandBS. Be sure to like, follow, subscribe, and share to be a part of BirdlandBS Nation. If you got anything you want us to talk about, be sure to use the hashtag BirdlandBSNation, and we'll get your question in on the show for upcoming episodes. As always, always, be sure to check out the audio podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or any podcast app of choice. Thanks for tuning in. As always, for Scott in Florida, for our special guest, James, I'm Fred. We'll see you guys. See you.